morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 6, 2019, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter We Agnostics. And we're reading from page 45, the third paragraph that begins with, we know how he feels, just that one paragraph. Today's readers are Lisa H., Maura Z., and Marie J. And the newcomer greeter will be Jody E., and the host for the second hour, Sima A. The reference numbers for yesterday which was August 5th, 2019, are these. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting yesterday was 13,236, 13236. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, 13,238, 13238. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous to those who still suffer. Now, this is our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now we're going to ask Rocky E. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Rocky. Rocky, we can't hear you. Oh, Rocky was here in just, just a few minutes ago. One more time. Rocky, are you there? you hear me, Penny? I can. Go ahead, Rocky. Oh, wonderful. Good morning, visionaries. Rocky E. from New York, compulsive overeater. Um, Twelve steps. One, we admit we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you so much, Rocky E. And now Chris G. will read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Thank you, everyone. This is Chris G. in Connecticut, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks all. Have a great day. Thanks, Chris G. Appreciate your help. And now this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers, it's six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request, however, that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, you would press star 1, which will unmute you. And once you are done, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of the big book 
We're in the chapter, We Agnostics, page 45, with the paragraph that begins with, We Know How He Feels. And we're going to ask our first reader, Lisa H., to read that for us. Good morning. This is Lisa H., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee, but in Boston this morning. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We look upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when an when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Um, good morning, my fellows. Um, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Um, the things that stand out for me, um, one was this childhood idea of God. Um, you know, like many of you, I grew up with this um, angry, punishing God. Um, and I had to, um, I really had to push away that idea. Um, I thought that God was way out there, you know, and that access to God was, was impossible or I had to do it through some other way. Um, but thankfully, you know, the suggestion was made to come up with my own concept of a higher power. Um, and, you know, slowly through this process, um, you know, I have found my higher power to be loving and kind and forgiving. Um, you know, I love the line that says all inclusive, never exclusive, um, you know, to me. And I, I say this often that that, you know, I believe that the spirit of God is within me, but also it's, you know, God's as close as my breath. Um, but I but I have to do the work. You know, this whole thing is is a is something I have to do with my higher power. Um, you know, God's not going to do what I can do. Um, so that, but, but of course it started with abstinence, you know, that abstinence and clear headed so that I could even get access to a higher power. Um, and I have to keep that access. You know, I have to do the spiritual work every day. It's, it's like, um, maintaining any other relationship that we might have. Um, it requires daily input. It requires, um, you know, prayer and meditation and working these steps, you know, um, fitting myself into be, to be of maximum service. Um, but this idea, the word comprehend, um, you know, it's, it, it means to grasp mentally and to understand. Um, and I'm not really sure if I can comprehend my higher power, it's way too small. Um, my, my, my higher power has to be that spirit of the universe, that broad and vast. 
Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm getting too close to making myself God. Um, and then the last word to me is, is faith. Um, and for me, faith is the confidence in, in a higher power that I cannot see, but I know without a doubt exists. Um, and even more in my life every day as I continue to, to practice this, these spiritual principles. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you very much, Lisa H. And now, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days and you um, would like to, um, I'm going to do my very best to hear everyone's names. So who would like to share? Katie Amy Lee Lee Austin. Amy Lee from Maryland. Did you hear all those names, everybody? <laughs> I, I heard a lot of names, and I'm happy to hear you, but... We need to start again. I didn't get anyone. Katie G. from Boston. Katie G. Irene. Irene. Amy G. Nessa R. Somebody G. Nessa R. Becca R. This is Larry K. Excuse me. Is it Becca R? Okay. I heard Larry. Marie J. Marie J. Let's stop for a minute, all right, and see what I have. Thank you. I have Katie G., Irene. Irene, I didn't get your last name. Amy G., your last name. Pardon? B, as in boy, Irene B. Irene B., Nessa R., I think, Larry K., and Marie J., that's a nice lineup. Go ahead, Katie G. Good morning, Penny. Thank you for your service. This is Katie G. Recovered in Boston. And, uh, man, I love this. Um, for me, what struck me is that this is really setting me up for the set-aside prayer. So it's helping me to identify in my thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I- I'm a deep skeptic. Oh, my gosh, I'm a judge. You know, it, it wasn't... Um, food and anorexia and bulimia were the solution I was offering to all my problems. And I love the um, the calmness and the compassion that we get to identify in, like how much doubt and prejudice and prejudices my old ideas that I have about religion and God. I mean, I mean, so many and the way the world is working, but I became the critic and I was on this um, high tower criticizing everyone and thinking, you know, depending on others is weak. And yet I was depending on bulimia. I was depending on my thin body to make me feel safe and secure. So I might say dependence is weak, but I'm a dependent, right? So I love that agnostics is, you know, um, getting out all of these old ideas, really digging deep for me and um, helping me to see even when I'm agnostic, God is still there. There is still a power greater than me, whether or not I believe in that or not. It's still there. And how deep my skepticism is, which is amazing because I find the most powerful idea is what are prejudice? Like my, my life blew open when I was taught that prejudice is an old idea, right? The problem is not what I don't know. Like, let's be honest. We are all on this line, and I have a lot of knowledge 
but the problem is not what I, what, what I don't know. I don't need to learn more. This is a process of uncovering, discovering, and discarding everything that I think I know, right? And because if, I, if I'm the I know guy, I'm a full cup and I can't be taught, right? So what does this have to do with the food? I have an allergy to the body, but the greater aspect of my damage is my thinking, right? The, um, the deep skeptic that looked at people and used to say, I hate people. And friends would look at me and be like, hello, and I'd be like, I don't care, you're not, you don't count, you're not a person. Those were my people skills, right? But today, thank God, as a recovered woman, like, I, I don't want that food. I've been recovered, thank you God, since October of 2015. I don't crave bulimia. I don't, all of that is, is amazing, and I have access to a God that, as someone indicated, is as close as my breath. Right, and so how do I, how am I prejudiced? Do I today have a God that I believe can take me deeper in every area of my life, or am I going on an old idea, an old experience with God? And what prejudice, I'll wrap up with this, what prejudice, what old ideas am I thinking of today? Like being recovered means I don't need to do this. Being recovered means I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I got this, right? The I know guy has got to go, and I pray to be teachable today, and with that I pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. And Irene B., it's your turn. Okay, I have to follow that up. <laughs> this is Irene B., uh, recovered bulimic from Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm so glad that I get to share on this paragraph, on this chapter, because I... I have to summarize it. For me, the biggest problem is that I thought I was God. But I also thought that I had a very close relationship with God. I also thought that God and I were tight. And um, and then as I went through this program, I realized that the moment I stopped praying, my connection with God was completely severed. It was lost. It was gone. The moment I stopped praying, I was back on self-reliance because my intellect was going to give me the solution, psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy. All of that was going to give me the solution, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and it didn't work, and I was out of my wits. And there was no solution for me. I was the hopeless case. And I had resigned myself that I was going to remain bulimic for the rest of my life because there was no hope. Well, God performed a miracle, and it was God a sheer miracle of abstinence. And after two years of abstinence, I'm beginning to get clarity because I have been in the food ever since I was six years old as a compulsive overeater. And then at age 17, bulimic. And I stayed in the food all of my life. So I had zero connection to my feelings and to why I was I always felt so bad and I never knew why. And, you know, I went through therapy discovering this, discovering that. And it helped tremendously, but it never solved the problem until the steps. And I came in so skeptical. 
because it just didn't make sense. This program did not jive with everything that psychology had taught me. And but my sponsor told me, just do the steps and trust the process, and I promise you, your problem will be solved. And I didn't believe her, but I was out of options. I had no choice. Because I really did want recovery. Because I had abstinence by the grace of God, but I didn't have recovery. And then it worked. And as I go through the steps and I search for God and I listen to you guys, you guys have taught me how to stay connected with God. Because I did not know what to do that. And my solution, what has worked for me, the only thing that has worked for me, because I have done so much trying to seek God, is to talk to him and to make my automatic self talk not so automatic and to try to be more conscious about it and to incorporate God into it. And that's how I stay connected to him through a conscious effort to stay in touch with him. I mean, it's time. Thank you. Okay. When I say it's time, you know, you don't have to stop right on the minute. You know, you finished your, your sentence. Thank you so much, Irene B. Amy G is next. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Waiting for the trash truck to go by. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. I think the beauty of this paragraph is it's all about the we. This whole chapter is written because they understand what it is when I came into the program to feel inadequate in my power, to have rejected the concept of God in its entirety. And yet, in wonder and awe, I stood in front of people in an OA meeting in whom the problem had been solved, who said they felt the way that I felt, and yet they they were recovered. And they had peace and serenity in their eyes, and they were saying to me, we know how you feel. We have been there. And we can show you the way out. We just need to work together. We need to work the steps. We need to do the action that was mentioned earlier. And yet I, too, could have what it says, this peace and serenity and long-term recovery. I could be recovered. And that kind of hope, this is what this is giving me. This is giving me hope as long as I'm willing to do the action. The we of the program comes to the fore because I don't do this alone. And I didn't have any concept. As a matter of fact, my first meeting when I heard the word God, I was so agnostic, I got up in the middle of the room and I left the meeting. And for those in whom the problem had solved, someone followed me, thank God, outside of the room and said, look, you know, and we talked about my powerlessness, not about God. Talk about faith imposed by a self-imposed crisis. And I had but two alternatives. And what was it to be? And I stood in front of someone in awe and wonder with them saying, I am recovered. You can be too, as long as I'm willing to do the action. We'll work on the God thing, but let's take the next right step and let's work this program and work these steps. And that's what I did. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And next, help me out here. Is it Nessa R. or Becca? Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Thank Canada. You. Hello? Can you hear yes. me? Yes, go oh. ahead. Okay, sorry. Uh, so who could who can comprehend a supreme being anyhow? This is the line that spoke to me because I came in, um, I guess, from a different end than a lot of people in program. I came in with a strong um, religious belief in a good 
and benevolent God, believing that it is the nature of the good to do good. And so I didn't understand why God was not heeding my prayers. You know, I had such good motives in mind, what I thought was good for me and for others. You know, I wanted to be thin. I wanted to be happy. Um, I had certain um, very positive, good, lofty goals for my family. And none of this, none of this was, was actually happening. And I thought, you know, even though God is good, for some reason, he's not listening to me. And I couldn't understand how can this not be God's will? How can this not be God's will? God's will, you know, and uh, so who can comprehend the supreme being anyhow? You know, God has a much bigger picture than I do. And I'm not talking now about wars and the world and famine and things like that, but my own life. He has a full picture of my own life and my family's life. And he knows, you know, what is truly good for me, what I think I what I may think may be good for me may or may not be. Um, and so now, you know, as a result of having worked through these steps in entire abstinence, I truly have a relationship with God where the focus is in God's will, not on my will. You know, and it is great when the day happens when my will and God's will coincide. But when God's will is different than mine, it is my job to uh, accommodate myself to his will, it's thy will, not mine be done. I mean, that's, that's the operative word. You know, when I do my morning meditation and it says, you know, upon awakening, we review our plans for the day. Um, yeah, they're my plans, but it's God's day. So I say, you know, God, this is, this is what I have planned for today, but if your will is different for my day. If you have different missions for you, for me, you know, please, you know, help me adjust, give me the willingness to not fight you and to go along with what your will is. And it's, it's a much more positive um, way to live, even and especially when what I want and what I think is good for me and for my family is not happening because that implicit trust in God is there. And I don't have to get agitated or doubtful. I don't have to get resentful and fearful. Um, you know, when, when I place my full trust in God, which is what this program accomplishes, that is the solution, that is the goal. It's a trusting relationship with God and um, to replace the very bad solution that I had before, which was the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Uh, and next batting for the Cubs is Larry Kay. Larry Kay? Oh boy, I was I I dropped my bat. I had to go back to the dugout. Sorry, Penny. Are you there? <laughs> okay. Oh, good, good, good. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to to join in on the discussion here. Um, you know, I was a, I was an atheist at one time, and um, you know, I, I really believe that the non-existence of God could be proven. And like so many atheists. For me, anyway, the issue of believing in God, you know, that people believed in God bothered me greatly. And what was it about me that I spent so much time, attention, and energy refuting something that I don't even believe exists? <laughs> the irony was not lost upon me that I was refuting something that I didn't even believe exists. 
you know, what, what, what caused me to do that? And when I was an atheist, I attributed my attentions to care, you know, as caring for those poor delusional people to help them to realize their hope was completely ill-founded. And to be honest, I also had another motive. See, as I challenged those who believed in God, I was deeply curious, really. I was curious to see if they could convince me otherwise. Because part of my quest was, you know, I wanted to become free from the question of God. And if I couldn't conclusively prove to believers that they were wrong, then the issue you know, it wouldn't be off the table for me. And I, you know, and I, I couldn't go about my life. And I didn't realize that the reason for the, that the, the topic of God weighed so heavily on my mind was because God was pressing the issue for me. God was constantly pressing the issue, even before I came into program. That's why it bothered me. So I come into this program and I hear people talking about God and obviously, uh, you know, God is pressing the issue with me again. At some point, you know, um, at some point for someone like me, you know, what I did, I think, in this program is I basically chose to acknowledge God's existence. And I, you know, maybe it was kind of like a prayer. Okay, God, you win. You win, Mr. Big Shot. And maybe the underlying reason for me, you know, that I was bothered by people believing in God is because God, again, was actively pursuing me, and I'm so grateful that God continued to actively pursue me because there was something that I didn't know. I didn't know. I was surprised by the joy of what resulted from these steps. I was surprised by the joy. I had, you know, I had expectations, and yet over, you know, I became, over the, the, you know, the time that I finally worked these steps in sequence, I became amazed by God's love for me. And that love still exists today. That's all it is. It's so simple. So simple, really, for me. Thanks, Penny, for your service. With that, I pass. Thanks, Larry Kay. And now, Marie J., you're up. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. This is Marie J., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And this paragraph reminds me not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I had this expectation that religion was going to be perfect and religion was God. And I expected the priest to be God and I gave them all that power. And when they made mistakes and acted like the human beings that they are and let me down, then I threw God out. I threw God out. And when the things, you know, things didn't go according to my own self-imposed programs for happiness, I blamed God for abandoning me. So I just wanted somebody else to be the power so I didn't have to work so hard with this thing that was so unknown, unexplainable, this power that was called God. And I wanted this softer, easier way to put people, to put faith in people and put faith in myself and self-reliance. And so when I came into the rooms, I was really angry with this God and I was, I was, um, believing in this God of damnation and wrath. And that's the only thing notion I had of God. And as a lot of you know, on this line, I've said many times when I got my first big book, I crossed out the word God on every page. That took a long time. That was how resistant I was. And I wouldn't use the word God in meetings. I wouldn't say the word God when reading the the steps out loud. I hated God. God let me down. But it wasn't God. It was human beings that I gave all this power to. 
And when I came into the rooms, I made the room my higher power. And then I, when I got bad advice, you know, because we're all humans, I put my faith, faith in humans who are out there doing the best they can, but none of us is professional. But as soon as I put my faith in humans and they failed me, I threw out God because I made everyone God. I wanted the softer, easier way. I wanted somebody to just tell me what to do and to run my life for me and to take this pain away. And if I can blame you for my inability to live in this uh, design for living, then when I don't get it, I can blame you. I can throw you out because now you're God. So building a relationship with God and for surrendering fully my whole life is what this was about. And one day it happened. And it wasn't like magic. I worked the steps. I worked the steps because God is in every one of the steps. And it took a lot of years, and it took a few more trials with food, and it took some relapses, and it took me being in charge and going back and forth. But the one thing I always was is I always was willing, and that's the beginning, and that's all we're asked to do. I had to keep setting aside what I thought I knew. And I had to, I had to go make amends to the Catholic Church for all the gossip and judgment and all the negative things I said for the 30 years I wasn't in that church. And I worked the steps, and I found God. I found the real power. So if you're struggling with God, that's no surprise. We all have all this crap that, that we, this burden and this crap and garbage we bring to the table. Time, Marie. No. Okay, thanks. But, you know, God doesn't make this hard. It's our willingness and our action, and our action is the steps. And that's our one task. So God's always there waiting right behind that door that I slammed shut. So my resistance is slamming that door shut. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Marie J. And a reminder that we're on page 45, the third paragraph that starts with, we know how he feels. And I'm ready to take another set of people who would like to share. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sandy S. from Asheville. Sandy S. S or F? Hi, it's Steve from Pennsylvania. Okay, Steve. Mary S. Sandy S. Florida. Mary, Mary what? S. As in Sam? Sam, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and who from Pennsylvania? Steve. Pardon me? Steve. Oh, Steve. Good morning. Well, I got Steve. Steve, Mary, and who was after Mary? Jenny R. Jeannie? Okay, let's go with those people. So we have Sandy S., Steve, and Steve will give me his initial of his last name when he shares, Mary S. and Jeannie R., Go ahead, Sandy S. Okay, hi. Sandy S. from Asheville. I really struggle with God. And um, and the important, the most important thing for me in my recovery is to be totally honest. And it's kind of baffling to me why I struggle with God. And But I think the most important thing is the honesty about it. 
there's no doubt about it. I was one of the few people that were actually struck abstinent. I mean, I know it sounds insane, but that's what happened when I was in OA. I had a spiritual experience 43 years ago in which I experienced, it was, it was a visceral thing like it happened yesterday. I experienced love, this, this incredible feeling of love. And at that time, I knew that I could not have love and food. And it was like in that moment, I chose love. And that has never left me. It was, I don't even know why I had that experience. I mean, I was in OA. I was working the program the best I could. It was a long time ago. And it happened. And and I feel like for me, my abstinence and my spirituality go hand in hand. I've never had white-knuckled abstinence. I mean, this is my experience. Yet, despite this cataclysmic experience, I still, deep in my heart, have difficulty believing that there's a caring God. I still think like on some level, I'm God, which means that I am working like a maniac doing things. And it's very hard for me. I mean, I'm a maniac with the steps, with everything. So what I need to do to, to, to foster a belief in God is to be open every moment to the evidence. And that's what I want to share today. Like with anyone who's struggling in any area, whether it's abstinence or just emotional stuff, do not give up five minutes before the miracle. And I just experienced a miracle the other day in terms of I'm not a person that could play with kids because I'm so structured and whatever. And it really breaks my heart that I can't play with the grandkids I love because I become so agitated. This is a chronic thing. And suddenly, out of nowhere, just like the abstinence, I created a game for my four-year-old granddaughter to play. And we were so into it. I swear, this is not me. And she was hugging me when I left, and she was so excited. It was another example of God's love something I don't control, and all I can do each day is just show up, be open, and do the next right thing. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Sandy. Yes, and God is good. Steve, it's your turn, and I'd like to know the initial of your last name. Steve from Pennsylvania. Okay, one more. There you are, Steve. Good morning. Yeah, it's Steve G. from Pennsylvania. Good, thank you. Um, well, I've been coming off and on to LA for years, and one of, one of the things about me is that I recognize that I worry too much and I try to control the future, or I look back on the past and it's brought me a lot of suffering. So of all the steps, one of the ones that I like the most is uh, soft through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand Him. 
So each day I meditate and I recognize my suffering is because I am not present in the moment. I am not in the moment. I need to be here now. So with that said in mind, that's my conception of a higher power is discovering it by being present, not worrying as much not dwelling on my mistakes and my past, recognizing I have one life to live, that everybody is suffering in some way or some shape or form, and that my life has been meaningful. I had to let go of a lot of things in the past that I did, past regrets, and um, my conception of God is different somewhat than a lot in a lot of ways than what I hear in the rooms, but for me, this is real. For me, this is truth. It's my life. So with that, I close. Thank you very much, Steve, uh, Steve G. And now we have Mary S. Mary S. Hi. Hi, you this are. is Mary S from Stewart, Florida. Thank you so much for your service and uh, leading this meeting. Um, I always get nervous when sharing, but I'm so thankful for you guys, all of you. I listen regularly and and I'm abstinent a little over two years and I'm just beyond grateful. Love, love, love this chapter. Um, You know, I was raised to believe in God, but when it came to uh, recovering and the 12 steps, I was very skeptical and, you know, kind of like had this feeling deep down, like, you know, what if this idea of God is like the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus? And, you know, they told me those were real. And so I had a really hard time, but I was desperate and, you know, um, continually told by the old timers and my sponsor to be open-minded and, you, you know, reminded that I told her I would be willing to go to any lengths. And so you know, and I kept being reminded that the 12 steps make this possible, that I get to to be open-minded. And by practicing the 12 steps, um, I get to make my beginning. And it was taught to me that the word conception um, is like the inception of of a baby being born. You know, the pregnancy, it's the beginning, the establishment, the starting point, the initiation. And, you know, to just start where you are. And I love that, you know, God doesn't meet with us too hard, you know, too difficultly. He, he meets us right where we are. And um, this paragraph reminds me of Bill's story on page 12, um, the squiggly writing where, you know, his friend Abby came to him and he says, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And then the next paragraph, you know, how that statement hit him hard and it melted his um, icy intellectual mountain who he had lived in the shadow of for many years. And then he said he stood in the sunlight at last. And this is the part I, I really spoke to me, the squiggly writing where it says, it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself and nothing more was required to make my beginning. And then he says, I saw that growth could start from that point. And that's what, you know, my sponsor said, this is a lifelong process. You're not going to get your conception and then be there. It's like an ongoing enlarging of our spiritual lives and growing 
to um, to develop this relationship with God, and it's my only hope. You know, I know that without this God of my understanding, the God that the big book teaches me about, I will not stay abstinent. I was constantly looking to food to change the way I felt, you know, and, um, and it, it, for me, I love how, you know, y'all keep reminding me it's not the food that's the problem, it's the buildup of that everyday emotion, and that's so true for me. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to continue to pray for open-mindedness and continue to try to enlarge my spiritual life with God. And I hope that by my sharing, you know, maybe somebody else would be helped. Um, and um, thank you very much. I'll, bye. Thank you, Mary S. And now, Jeannie R., am I correct? Jeannie R. here. Can you hear me? Is it Jeannie? Jenny, G-I-N-N-Y. From Jenny, York. thank you for that correction. Yes, I can. Thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, what a gift you all are to me on these early mornings. Um, reading this and listening to this, I'm reminded, and uh, something that I had to learn that took me a while is the difference between um, religion and relationship. And when I first um, discovered God 27, 37 years ago, um, it was... Um, through a really profound spiritual experience, but I still equated it to religion. And as I went from religion to religion, um, I realized there's a difference here. And I've learned that religion or a faith-based institution is like 12-step rooms. It's a tool for the personal relationship. And um, now, after so many years of going from one institution to another, I've learned and gotten to a place where I can go into any um, house of faith or type of institution and find the beauty that it offers, take what I want and leave the rest, because it's a relationship now that is not dependent on any particular set of um, tenants. And the other thing I think is really important that I had to learn was to start where I am. You know, many people have mentioned the word honesty, and I had to, I have to pray on a regular basis. Remove any preconceived ideas I have of you, God, that are not you, because I think that we all come in here with them, and and it can block us from connecting stronger to Him. And to be honest, you know, so many people I've met don't believe in God or don't know who he is. Or don't. And the first thing I say is start there. Just ask him. Don't do anything else but ask him. God, reveal yourself to me. That's it. It's, you know, I think to be very simple and to be very honest. So those two words, simplicity and honest, when dealing with a relationship with God, will get a really incredible foundation. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Jenny R. And now we have time for maybe two or three. Let's take two and we'll see where we are after that. Who else would like to share? Two more people. Michelle J. Michelle J. Lane C. What is your first name with the C at? Lane. Lane C. Like a road. L A N E. Okay. Yeah, Brevi from 
We'll see who, wh- how much time we have after Michelle and, and Lane. Go ahead, Michelle J. Good morning, you all. Can you hear me? I can. Wonderful. This is Michelle J. from Arkansas. Um, it's such a joy to be here with all of you this morning. And I just want to add to all these wonderful shares and say that, you know, as a child, when the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus went away, God did too. And when um, Prince Charming didn't come with his glass slipper and save me from life, you know, I tried to survive on my own and went to college in the 70s and became quite the atheist because I was hanging out with people from Ashbury and a few other places and become an artist and a psychology major. And, you know, I tried to survive. And it was horrible because the more I did, the more independent I became, the more confused I got, the more life sucked, and the more I crashed and burned. And it wasn't until I did crash and burn and there was nothing left of me and I was broken beyond repair and I wanted to end my life many, many times that I got on my knees and I said, God, if you're there, help me find you. And miracle after miracle brought me into a relationship with him. And my road since then has been filled with Lots of different religious affiliations, uh, organizations, trying trying to figure things out. But each time I said, God, help me, show me, teach me. If I empty myself and I allow him to lead me and guide me, I have the answers coming to me by him. And he's there and he's real. And like the share before me, just ask and he will come and he will fill your life again. And with that, I'll pass Thank you, Michelle J. And next is Lane C. Good morning. Um, thank you so much for your service, uh, Penny. Uh, this is Lane C., a recovered compulsive reader in Rochester, New York. And um, my goodness, you know, uh, for, for me, um, some of the prejudice that I originally came into the rooms with was um, that I had grown up in an atheist. Um, an agnostic home and certainly had had closed my mind entirely to the idea of a higher power and also had a pretty deep theological background, which it turns out um, is can be kind of a block to some of the like open mindedness and the willingness that this program asks us to embrace. Um, And then I can remember uh, being in OA for a while and and also kind of having this this block again, um, the, the prejudice that I held was, you know, would, was I actually worth God's time? And was God actually going to take the time to reach out to me and to, um, and, and for, for, you know, for me to be able to take the time to reach out to God, was it worth it? Was it actually going to happen for me? Um, and I, I stayed in that mode for a while. And what happened was the steps then became sort of like this, this task list, this chore list, completely bereft of any sort of spiritual, um, uh, any sort of spiritual growth. It just kind of became like this, you know, this to-do list, this chore, um, and and steps 10, 11, and 12 were not these growth places, and and they were not a place for development in my relationship with God. It was just kind of like this stuff I felt like I had to do that was my punishment that I had to um, bear for being a compulsive overeater, which is 
just a horrible way to view this program um, and was really tough uh, and led to a relapse. And so when I relapsed um, this past February, I called a woman in whom the problem had been solved and she said, sit with your higher power for an hour, get honest about what's going on with you and ask your higher power for help. And when I sat for that hour in quiet, what I heard was, I still love you. I heard it so clearly and so profoundly. And with that foundation, with that foundation of recognizing that there was a higher power out there, something larger than me, greater than me, that loved me, that knew that I was worth it, and that, that like really I could be able to recover in the same way that I had heard other folks recover and develop in this relationship in the same way that I had heard others, then, then I was really able to be able to, to work these steps and to recover in a way that um, that has helped me grow with God. I listen to God more often than speaking. I spend I spend up plenty of time doing 10 steps and 11 steps and really growing from those experiences rather than seeing them as task lists or chore lists or to-do lists. So if you are someone today who has um, relapsed, if you are someone who is in the program and struggling with your relationship with God, please reach out to those folks who have been sharing on this line. You all have been opening my mind and heart um, in so many ways, I feel like my uh, spirit is expanded just by being on this line this morning. Reach out to folks, please. Don't don't go through this alone, and don't go through this with this mindset that somehow there is still a punishing God in this program, or that there is still a, a cross to bear or task to bear. This this is a program of spiritual growth and development, and it's here for you too. But that I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lane C. We do have time for one more. Who would like to take that spot? Is there someone who'd like to share? Nancy T. Nancy T., correct? Go ahead, Nancy. Thanks, Penny. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, visionaries. I just want to kind of add on to what so many people have shared this morning, and that is um, my childhood conception of God. You know, I I believed I went to um, Sunday school and then went to Sabbath school because we believe in a um, a Saturday worship church. But uh, the bottom line that I got was about rules and regulations. You know, if I followed the Ten Commandments, then I would find favor with God. And that's kind of that childhood perception. And it carried with me into my adult life. And so, of course, I could never um, follow the Ten Commandments perfectly. And so I chalked myself up to a failure. Um, At an early age, I understood that food gave me comfort. So more and more, I started to rely on food for my comfort. And it wasn't until I found myself at 372 pounds and desperate that I started to seek out um, a solution for the problem. And I came in contact with OA, and when they first started talking about God, my heart kind of sank because I thought, I believe in God, but he just won't do this for me. I mean, how many times had I begged him to help me with my with my weight? And um, obviously now I know weight wasn't my problem. It was my relationship with him that was broken. And through trial and error, which means relapse after relapse after relapse, and I finally realized that God is that has to either be everything or he's nothing. And I finally got to that desperation point where Bill was describing the quicksand all around him. 
that was kind of me and I became willing and I just gave it all. I said, I give up, I'm done. And that is when the relationship started to build. And I had to learn again that step 11 talks about improving this contact that I found. I can't just stay connected and be um, stagnant there. I have to be growing. And my mantra today is if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And that's what the food will do for me is it'll kill me. So I have to have God. I hang on to God every day and I ask him, what can I do to grow with you this day? Show me how I can be of service to you and my fellows. And that's when um, the miracles really happen. And I I wish I had time to go into all the blessings that I have in my life today because there's so many that I just can't even count them. But thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you so much, Nancy T. And thank you, everybody for um, sharing on this meeting, and especially to the people who are on Team Penny's Team Tuesday, or always Team Tuesday. Uh, So the ID, the share code, our share ID for today, for this meeting, is 13241, 13,241. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour immediately following the closing. And now I'm going to ask Maura Z to close out this portion of the meeting with the reading on page 164, and we'll follow that by the serenity prayer. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, Penny. Thank you for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.